Nine, 60 seconds. Best recorders, high speed. Five. Open solo fuel four, vent. Open. Three, two, one, zero. Start. like to welcome you to the next episode of the podcast series Crossroads. My name is Petra Ezedin. This podcast is produced as a part of the Global Conflicts Local Interactions Program, which is founded by the Czech Academy of Sciences as a part of the AV21 strategy. For the Crossroads podcast, we invite social scientists and scholars whose research relates to important issues and problems in our globalizing world. I would like to welcome today my colleague, Dr. Christine Krause. Christine is an anthropologist working at intersections of political medical anthropology, interested in subjectivities and health, citizenship and care. At the University of Amsterdam, she is a member of the Health, Care and Body Program and the Long-Term Care and Dementia Research Group. Together with Professor Janet Pauls, she runs the Anthropology of Care Network. She analyzes care as a social material practice involving many different actors driven by flows of people and capital, but where family, state, and market remain influential. In her current ERC-founded research relocating care, she studies with her team the recent trend of relocation of seniors, in this case, German-speaking seniors, to care homes in Central Eastern Europe, where the quality of care is high, yet costs are lower. Today, we are going to discuss topics such as senior care crisis, mobility of care and seniors, the role of welfare state and market. So welcome to our podcast, Christine. Thank you very much. I'm very honored. So I will start with the first question I have prepared for you. Um, many European politicians, but also social scientists, talk about a care crisis, especially in a sector of senior care. What are the causes of this urgent societal crisis, according to you? Now, first of all, it is, of course, due to that we all become older and to the major changes in societies in regard to who does the care work. But if we look at it from a much broader frame, it's the long-term neglectance of questions of care. Um, so in very general terms, it's also something you, for instance, have also worked on questions of social reproduction, how we maintain, how we continue and how we reproduce, how we take care actually of the world we live in. And there we also see that this, that it does not only concern childcare or elderly care, but also care for the life world we live in. Uh, and that's also where I see the care crisis kicking in, the care crisis around the elderly. In very concrete terms, if you want me to get there, in my current research, <clears throat> in very concrete terms, um, it, it, when we talk about the German care system, it's really systemic logics within that care system, which increasingly has been privatized uh, and um, 
there we see kind of the problem that available and affordable care is very scarce and family need to organize the care and they need to top up the costs for care. And that kind of like drives them to um, solutions on the market, which is then linked uh, to the regions where relocation, care relocation is happening because um, migrant care workers, one of your expertise, are recruited to Germany. And then those countries are depleted of uh, care workers within the family, which over the last um, years have also resulted in private actors uh, um, taking it up and building businesses for those people who can afford it. So it's actually really something which is kind of all linked together. Um, uh, and um, yeah, perhaps we, we stop there for the moment. Mm -hmm. So you already mentioned your ERC project, Relocare, where you look on this reverse phenomena of care relocation in which aging body is relocated to places where care is more affordable. And uh, you are arguing that relocation can also be seen as an extreme example of marketization of care. Uh, so I'm just wondering how exactly is relocation linked to the marketization of care as such? Yeah, uh, in, in the sense which I already mentioned, that the marketization of care in Germany leads uh, to the problem that families have to uh, find solutions, but then also in regard to all the players and actors involved in it. Um, uh, and that is the private care entrepreneurs, which have popped up uh, over the last 10, 12 years in the Central European uh, uh, countries, uh, and which kind of recruit across the borders. And they do so because the European mobility legislation kind of allows it. So the European mobility legislation is not necessarily wanting to have this kind of outsourcing of social services, but it's a kind of side effect. So it's not intended, but it's facilitated by it. And of course, the mobility uh, legislation in the EU is also mainly driven by market logics. But in general terms, we could say that um, care relocation, that is moving elderly to places where care is more affordable because of lower labor costs, is emblematic for uh, the privatization um, of care in Europe in general. And it is kind of like a very classical care fix where you actually uh, try to solve a problem in one segment of society to keep up profitability, but you never solve the problem at its roots. And uh, over in a short term, you will run into other problems. For instance, if the labor cost differences on which care relocation is based will eventually be dissolved within Europe, uh, then the whole... Um, care fix of care relocation would not work. And there are also all kinds of uh, other consequences uh, related to it. Mm -hmm. uh, when we look on the map of those senior homes in our region, we cannot notice their location on the borders. But uh, these particular borders have uh, changed considerably over the history. So how do you reflect political history, collective memory or ethnicity in the region in your research project? Yeah, I mean, that is a very central interest of the project. So what fascinated me when I heard for the first time about care relocation, uh, there were headlines in uh, German-speaking newspapers um, talking uh, about geriatric colonialism, uh, deportation <clears throat> uh, to Poland, because the first homes popped up uh, in Poland. 
um, I was really very much reminded of kind of the historical linkages, because also if in the German context you speak about deportation to Poland, you immediately remember the Nazi time uh, and the death camps um, to, to which you were uh, deported. So the discourse in general were already alluding to a lot of um, uh, historical complexity. But what is really fascinating, if you just look at um, where the um, homes are located, it is indeed, as you are saying, in the border regions. And one could explain this with uh, pragmatics. Uh, those regions are more easily to reach. Um, but um, I think there's also more to it, um, that uh, it also makes sense to have care homes there because in many areas you still have German-speaking populations uh, and you also have a lot of out-migration from those areas um, uh, to Germany in, in general in terms of labor migration. And perhaps I can quickly say something about the link to labor migration, Petra, if you allow, um, because uh, that is also in partly still answering your question about marketization. Um, so what is really interesting is that the phenomenon, which in itself is super small, so we speak perhaps about over the last 10 years, we guess, and we are still trying to count and establish the numbers, that perhaps a thousand uh, German-speaking seniors have been taken care of in Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Hungary, including those who have died there. So it's super small if you think about the general need for care. Um, uh, but it's kind of a side effect on, uh, of the ongoing labor migration, and in particular, the care migrant uh, worker migration. So um, agencies uh, which recruit labor migrants run agencies to link elderly to care homes as a side business. Um, former migrant care workers are are among the founders of homes. Um, so they, they use the money they earned uh, through their work to, to build up a home, or they are recruited as um, care workers in the homes. And in regard to Poland, for instance, we know that many happily accept that because it means they can uh, work closer to their home and uh, make use of the skills, for instance, the language skills um, they have acquired during their migration trajectory. Um, so that is a very close link to uh, current migration patterns. But also when it comes to the residents, uh, we find um, former uh, migrants there because they can use the pensions they have earned during their migration careers um, in, in paying the higher costs for the care homes. Um, and uh, we also find parents of children, of grown-up children, children who now live um, somewhere else and who cannot take care of their parents, who kind of uh, encourage them to go to a private care home and they can fund then those higher costs uh, from the higher salaries um, from abroad. Um, so in a way, you know, there's the more recent history of all the mobility and migration within the region, which really comes in. Uh, and then uh, going further back, you have, the, uh, you have the kind of changing borders uh, from the regions. If I may uh, talk quickly about my fieldwork in Poland, for instance, I've, I've worked in upper um, um, Silesia, and I, I, I did fieldwork in a care home, which was actually right in the area where the former border between uh, the Prussian part and um, the Russian part, which of today's Poland after the First World War was located. And that meant um, uh, that uh, all the elderly who were living in that home kind of experienced still that time. And they also experienced their families as having been asked by then the occupiers, the Nazis, whether they were German enough or not to end up on the German folks lists. 
And then later, after the liberation, and when everything became Polish, they were asked by the Polish whether they are Polish enough. So you have this population where within a family, you know, you have different affiliations and where the question of whether you speak German, whether you are Polish, whether you are German, is highly, highly politicized. Uh, and that also in particular uh, among that generation, those who are end, end of 80s now or beginning of the 90s. So this brings me back to the difficulty to establish the numbers, because in that area, because of th those were former German or German speaking areas or areas with a German minority, they had different um, rights uh, of mobility. So um, they could, as what is called in German, Aussiedler, they could as, um, or Spätaussiedler, they could kind of repatriate, so-called repatriate um, uh, to Germany. But we really have to understand this as um, categories which enable mobility. So I'm, I don't want to talk about this as essential ethnic categories. Um, and because of that, they, they got German citizenship. Uh, they could also travel much earlier before the opening of the EU borders. And, uh, and then they lived in Germany, they got pensions, they gained social citizenship rights, and they can now spend this money in the private care homes in Poland. So if I ask the manager how many Germans you have of a care home, you know, the answer might differ very much depending on how you define it. You know, uh, do you go by citizenship? Then you have already this very complex history of citizenships. Do you go by where the money comes from? Then it's also people without German citizenship, which might be German because their pension uh, might come from Germany or their care insurance might come from Germany. Um, uh, so uh, the question of numbers is very complicated, but within the care homes, you really have this popping up uh, of the history uh, in a nutshell. Perhaps another point I find interesting is, um, in particular, if we look at the, the Czech Republic, um, and, and that's what I learned actually from my team member, Matusz Jelinek, um, is that in the border regions, um, uh, care homes are often side by side uh, with brothels, with kind of these places where you have a lot of uh, border trade going on. So those are very strange places, actually. So uh, I think we have to observe on the long run what is happening there. You know that in those places where people also in are in a hospitality business where they make profits from poor people like uh, labor migrants or Roma populations and then also elderly bodies. So there's something strange going on in regard to kind of uh, making business out of bodies which kind of need housing, which, uh, which kind of like need care. Uh, and all of that is happening in the border regions which were actually also quite neglected uh, uh, in general. So um, I think we can also take um, uh, those care homes uh, as a lens to look at wider development. Uh, I, I know that citizenship is also important analytical category in all your research projects. And here state provision and different models of personalized care provide differential citizenship outcomes for carers and those needing care. But these are also potentially conflicting citizenship claims. So I'm just wondering um, more generally, uh, are we able to govern uh, care at all in a contemporary economic system? Yeah, perhaps let me explain why I find citizenship so interesting. So um, uh, citizenship for me is the point in which you, as a legal subject, uh, can make claims on a body of authority. 
And at the same time, you're also recognized as a legal subject by that body of authority. So that can be a nation state, but that can also be the EU, so a transnational body of authority. It can also be something like an insurance. Um, and what is actually very interesting, if we go into the history of insurances, they are basically um, uh, risk-sharing organizational forms, and we find them all over the world. So I would also say that um, you can have a citizenship in a risk-sharing community. Yeah, where you kind of uh, you, you have rights and you have duties. So your duty might be that for some time you contribute to the pot. And then if you are in need, you get something from the pot. So those, is actually, those are actually forms of organized solidarity. And they exist worldwide, you know, also outside of Europe. Um, and uh, we know them for centuries. So in itself, this is something very beautiful because I think it's about how we as humans uh, organize solidarity and how we also take care of vulnerable members of our group and so on. But at the same time, if you have something like that, like a risk sharing community or society, um, you know, you, you immediately also exclude. So those who have not yet uh, paid in and so on. So citizenship is about both. It's about inclusion and it is about uh, rights and duties, but it's also always about exclusion. So what I find um, very interesting and fascinating is if within a Europe where, you, where we have the open borders, um, the claim making can now happen uh, beyond uh, the, the, the place where you were born. It can, you can have multiple belongings. You can have belongings to places where you have worked. You might have belongings where some of your children live, because like some of the forms some of the basis on which we earn rights to care in our current imagination in Europe is through activities like work, but also through activities like parenting, being a soldier and things like that. And uh, in our current age of mobility, uh, this becomes very, very complicated because um, citizenship is mainly, or like when we speak about care and pensions, is mainly organized nationally, but then we earn actually the entitlements transnationally. And this is actually also something you have worked on with Susanna Uchte, your, your colleague, um, how actually the the whole organization of uh, of labor in Europe is really exploiting uh, those countries from where the labor migrants come and uh, don't consider them of, uh, as being part of the pot uh, of, of their solidarity and how they reproduce themselves. So um, when it comes to uh, those care homes which recruit elderly from richer European countries and in the case where I'm looking at from, from Germany, um, what we see is that actually money of entitlements which come from a national imagined solidarity pot are invested in commercial uh, financialized care infrastructures, um, which are also not necessarily the best of the best for the local context in which they are uh, inaugurated. So I see this as something very problematic going on in, in where the citizenship is kind of moved from these so imagined solidarity organizations actually to highly commercial ones. So we could almost speak of kind of like a form of commercial citizenship those people then embody. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have mentioned that um... Uh, care migration or care location are kind of uh, specific uh, practices of so-called care fixes. 
So I'm just wondering, um, because I'm thinking quite a lot about alternatives, uh, you know, what can work here or because we know what's not working, what is really creating a specific inequalities for those who are in care or who are providing care. So I'm just wondering, how do you think about alternatives, perspective alternatives in uh, care, spe specifically in senior care? What can work for us as contemporary society? Yeah, I think I think uh, one we we in, in a way, and I mean there there are people who are far more experts on that, whom whom, whom I'm reading about, wh whose text I'm reading, and from 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 whom I'm learning. So um, I I think the first step would be to recognize uh, what we were starting with that we have this general crisis um, of, of reproduction going on that we kind of actually totally neglect. Uh, how we can maintain and take care of our life worlds, including our elderly, and that if we go on like this, uh, you know, uh, it, this will no longer work. Uh, so actually, the and that is not only the planet and the climate, it's also how we deal with our vulnerable and elderly. And we have to, for me, feminist care ethics uh, are very important to think with, in particular, this insight that nobody lives in isolation, everybody lives in more or less uh, states of dependencies or decay, uh, and and, uh, you know, if you are uh, uh, run over by a car, you might need care in the next morning. So this illusion that we are a, a subject all in control, which can afford not to take care of care work, um, needs to go. And that is our only chance. So there are many interesting ideas from um, having uh, in every working life, having a, a kind of care budget. You either have to do care work yourself or you have to pay into something uh, or this idea of normalizing um, care activities uh, to create new normativities. Like if you're at a party and somebody says, oh, I will never do care work. That's not for me. How often people say people would, would be looked at as if they would say i never want to work that's not for me because everybody would be involved in some care work be it be it be some urban gardening or some child care or some elderly work so there are these ideas about uh, creating new normativities there are other ideas of um uh, creating new forms of connection via care and uh, alternative communities. That's something I'm, I personally uh, am leaning toward. But what I find problematic about those ideas is that they're kind of... Um, dissolve this burden uh, from the state, which also like when I was pointing to ideas of citizenship and how we have to organize risk sharing in societies actually is the role also uh, of the state and also of the welfare state in its uh, cl classical uh, idea when it was when it actually came about. Uh, cynically, one could say, that care and uh, care systems and everything which falls under social citizenship was always there to buffer capitalism, like to, to, to buffer and to help capitalism to, to not needing to take care of its own reproduction because it relies on a worker who's fed, who has slept and so on. Um, so there, there are other ideas to include the idea of, uh, of reproduction in the, in, in the idea of production, uh, but we are, we are uh, still not there yet. When I actually did uh, fieldwork in the care home, I also had a different idea because um, there's also often this idea that care homes are horrible places and, um, uh, and that we should actually care in place which, is, which means like that you become old uh, and, and die in the place where you always have lived. And often, for instance, in Germany, that is kind of realized by hiring then a living carer for 24 hours. Um, <clears throat> but when I, was, uh, when I was in the care home, there was one man 
who was so uh, very longingly requiring to have a beer. So we were kind of like joking about that. And suddenly I was thinking, why is it actually that care homes are so weird places where people get uh, a lot of med medication? And then if they want to have a beer, which are also drugs, right, the medication. And then because of all that medication, they cannot have a beer. Uh, and why don't we kind of think up these kind of very wild places where you can just do what you want uh, and also have as much beer as you want and where you also don't need to be kept uh, functioning the whole time uh, because we all will be old and decaying anyway. So I often think we have to think anarchy uh, from the point of view where we are very old, you know, when, when we when we also don't need to carry our soul and skin to the market any longer. Um, uh, and uh, this idea of uh, elderly care as the wild place, you know, where we will all go to and have a lot of fun, that is something which kind of I find quite enjoyable. So like, even though it was portrayed in Germany as like abandoning elderly uh, to places far away, and it can be seen as outsourcing of problem populations. I mean, one can frame it in very negative terms. It's also part of marketization, financialization and so on. Um, so all of that. But it is also about uh, concrete encounters and uh, between people. And I find that quite extraordinary, kind of like what I see. And I see that as an ethnographer on the ground. Um, so how uh, how uh, so I don't want to I don't want to romanticize care work, um, but you know, I, I feel like if you want to financialize and make a business out of care work, care work will always get you at one point, because in a way you can also not stop caring. You know, so I think I think because care is such a um, uh, such a fundamental thing of us being humans, uh, it also has the biggest potential, you know, to to overcome uh, those kind of things. Well, thank you, thank you very much, Christine, for your time. It was wonderful to hear some news from your field and the way how you are thinking about the complexities of of care in our region. And thank you very much for this opportunity, Petra. Thank you very much. Thank you.